Hello and welcome back my partners in crime. Welcome back to a new case, a new true crime. Now this is a 2020 case and before I say anything else I'm just going to say to you there is a serious warning out with this. This is adult only. This is about a paedophile spanning four countries. He's abused over 50 children. So there is a serious, serious warning that goes out with this case. This is explicit and you know it could trigger something so really if this case is not for you there's plenty of more both on Murder Analyzed and on Let's Have a Chat About Murder that you can listen to or watch so please 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 take this warning before we do anything else listen I have to say don't I before I start because everyone you know keeps telling me I have to say you know can you hit the subscribe button hit the notification bell and stuff and I appreciate you for doing that I really I really do I also appreciate all the comments I get and the emails I get and the letters I get sent you know because we put the new um, PO box up there now for people to write and they've really um, found that a good way to correspond with me uh, not everyone uses email not everyone likes to um, use email so I really appreciate all the communication we have between us and I'm really honoured um, that you are subscribing to my channel and that you are finding the cases interesting. Now as I've said with this case, this case is a shocking case. It is um, a case of this Boris, now as you know I, I'm no good with um, <laughs> accents or, or this sort of thing. So it's, I think it's Boris Konservinsky, I think that's what his name is, right? Um, it's Boris and that's all I'm going to use through the rest of this case but it's up there and it'll be in all the notes and you can see it. Now this man was 53 at the time of his arrest and this is a case from um, Melbourne, Victoria in Australia and it was, I think this man was arrested and charged and actually sentenced in 2020 but he abused over 47 boys in four different countries. So there's lots of laws in this and as I spoke in other cases when we've dealt with paedophiles that are um, not on the turf of where they've actually done the crime at the time that they've been caught. You either have to wait for them to return. This man was working at the time in Singapore, so they had to wait for him to return to Australian soil before they could arrest him. And that's when all the evidence then started coming out because he was shipping stuff back from uh, Singapore to Australia and this is where a lot of this data and imaging and stuff was found. And this is then when this case blew up. They knew this man was dangerous this task force and I think they work with the German um, task force as well and so there was a lots of issues here that go on when you are trying to convict someone um, and find evidence about multiple abuse of children for a span of about 15 years really to put this case together and they have said actually in Australia it's probably one of the worst paedophiles that they've ever seen in Australia now, all these children that we're going to mention in this, and I think there's around 50, actually, that they know of. That means there's plenty more that they don't. And as we go through in the different countries that he um, abused these children in, you can understand why they can't find all of his victims. They've got photographs, and they've got images, and they've got you know videos and different stuff of abuse, but of course they can't find all the victims in this case, so there is multiple victims in this case. Now he produced more than 35,000 photographs, 4,800 videos in uh, Southeast Asia, 
and he was jailed for 35 years so we're going to get that out of the way now and he has a minimum of 28 years to serve in prison um, before he can be released you know <laughs> under any bail conditions at all now 28 years to serve in an Australian prison for the offences that this man's done you know well good luck to him in that one but anyway he was described right as this by this judge that finally got him into the court as a superior intelligent man with a paedophilic disorder and shown no remorse at all for what he'd done and this is um, Justice Champion uh, said this about him and I want to tell you a little bit more about him before we go into the real facts of this case because it's um, important that you understand what sort of a man this man was before we go into his crimes. Justice Champion also stated, you know, and he stressed this, that this twisted beliefs of this man um, was clearly and utterly denounced and com as completely unacceptable in the civilised society. Now we're talking about here a paedophile who is so dangerous to children, he was prolific in what he did. There would have been no stopping this man. And because he went to certain countries, and we'll go through the countries in a minute, it made it easier for him to do what he was doing, really. And so this, and I keep saying these people who run these task forces and has to go through all this stuff online and everywhere else, because this man did put stuff online as well. It's an important job to do, isn't it? Because without these people, you know, doing this sort of job, looking through this awful, sometimes the most, you know, terrible stuff that's being done to children, <clears throat> these people would never be brought to justice. So, you know, a credit in all these cases where there are these task forces are involved and it's multiple task forces that are involved, it's really important that we, you know, give them some respect, really, because. Without them, this man would still be doing what he's doing, and this man has ruined so many children's lives. You, you just wouldn't believe it, what this man has done. Anyway, let's get on with this case. So I think this man's charge is that he stood, um, he pleaded guilty actually to 59 uh, sexual offences involving 43 children uh, who were victims, uh, as well as child pornography. I don't think he was done for the. Um, pornography I think they just done him for the abuse um, they should have actually thrown the book at this man I, I believe but I think really what they wanted is just to get this man off the street as quickly as possible and didn't want any chance of appeals or anything because you know the distributing distribution of that wouldn't have given much more of a sentence on what he already had so and it's got it was breathtaking you know the scale includes the number of occasions that the offender occurred and the nature the variation the, the degree of repetition of the type of offending the number of victims that this man had in the number of countries that he offended in over this 15 year span he really was prolific in what he done um shocking man as you see photos of him really you know this intelligent man i think he worked for a company in singapore to do with uh, anaesthesia and that sort of stuff. An intelligent man, but as I said to you all the time, anybody, anywhere can be a paedophile, right? So in his job they didn't know anything, people didn't realise anything, he actually was married as well, they didn't realise anything. So 
you know, it really, you know, has to hit home with these sort of cases that it could be anyone. And in the end, these people are getting caught, and as they're getting caught, their crimes are being shown to be some of the worst in the world, really. This man needed to be stopped, and thank God for this Australian Federal Police and the German authorities that really pushed and pushed and pushed to get this man however they could, and to have to wait, knowing what this man was doing overseas, and having to wait for him to step back on Australian soil to arrest him. It must have been really awful for this task force and these other authorities that were trying to get this man away from children. It must have been awful for them, that wait, but in the end they got him. The Justice, uh, Justice Champion also said, um, and he was a Supreme Court, actually this was a Supreme Court decision in Victoria. Now he said that his appetite for sexual activity and underpinned his offending appeared to be unsustainable. The more he was doing, the more he wanted to do. There would have been more children, more victims constantly coming from this man because they couldn't stop him. I don't think in that, at that point he could have stopped himself. Whether he wanted to, probably not, but he had no intention of stopping. It was actually, you know, getting worse as time was going on. Maybe he thought that he may get caught one day and you know, was trying to do as much as he could because this is sort of how it reads about this man. He was so prolific in what he was doing that it was unsustainable. Um, really, these children were coming and coming and coming and he was abusing more and more and more. And if he wasn't abusing them, he was filming them to abuse each other. Sickening man, this man is sick. The Justice, Justice Campbell also stated this is probably one of the worst levels and type of such offending that he had ever seen. It was also shocking and the judge added um, when he had sentenced him that he sentenced him to 35 years together, or, um, altogether because there was multiple charges we go through them now, including 28 years without parole. Um, listen, I don't know whether this man would make parole and even if he did, you know, he's now been diagnosed with this, you know, paedophilic disorder and um, so you could never let this man out because this man would be totally unsafe if he ever came out of prison at all, ever come out of prison. He's 53 when he went in, so he's 55 now, 28 years, you know really this man isn't going to walk out of this prison, is he? Not really. And uh, you know, let's hope he doesn't because I don't think at whatever age this man walks out of prison, he is a danger to children across the world, really he is. I think in Singapore, um, his offences in Singapore were about of five children um, that they found out about in Singapore and they would have found these out because of the photographs and the videos that he took of them. So that was the five there. In around, uh, I think January 2001, he had sex with a 14 year old boy at his home in Singapore. He also engaged in various sexual acts with another 14 year old in 2002. He took pictures of the two engaging in sexual activity at his home amongst other things so when he wasn't abusing he was directing them on how to abuse each other filming it and putting it online at this time as well he was even introducing other boys to have sex with other children in his presence and he took more than 1000 photographs and videos of sexual acts amongst the children which he often directed. As I just said, he felt he was a director because don't forget, as I've said, he's put these online. People make money. These people make money from that on the dark web. They sell on 
and this is how bad this man was. So, so if he wasn't doing the sexual acts himself, he was directing other children to abuse other children for his own self, you know, sexual gratification, but also to film, photograph and put online and sell on the dark web. This is the character of this man. This is just Singapore. So his fences really, um, and how he produced all these um, 35,000 photos. And when, you know, it reads a lot, doesn't it? 35,000 photos, right? You've got to think, 35,000 photos of children being abused. Uh, you know, it, it, it's shocking. And 4,800 videos of 47 boys being abused throughout um, Singapore, Philippines, Indonesia and Australia between 2002 and 2017. I mean, you know, when you just think of that number and you think of these children and what these children had to suffer, it's just, it's just unbelievable, isn't it? What this man did, it's, it's so shocking to me. And as I've gone through this case, it's hard to, you know, write some of this stuff because it is extensive because of the continents that he spanned and the amount of data that these you know task force had to go through to get this man and and you know the images and the graphic images and the, and the you know pain that these children would have been in and you know the suffering that would have been caused by this man to these children it's absolutely unbelievable that anyone human a human person could do this to another especially a child right it's so unbelievable isn't it but this is really what happening isn't it out there this is going on every single bloody day isn't it really so let's let's talk about this man's sentence before we go in to the other sort of countries so he was sentenced um and it comprised of a term of imprisonment of two states right so um which was 11 years with non-parole period of eight years plus the term of imprisonment in the commonwealth charges which was 24 years with non-parole period of 20 years. A spokesman of the Supreme Court said of Australia that state charges refer to the crime committed in Victoria, Australia, while the Commonwealth charges relate to the crimes in the Philippines, Indonesia and Singapore. Now, this um, Boris, now he grew up in um, Russia, so that's why the bloody pronunciation of the name, um, and then migrated to Australia with his family at the age of 12. He moved to Singapore in uh, the 2000s and he was employed by this local firm Eva Mediac or something which was a direct he was a director selling uh, um, you know equipment for an anesthetist and that sort of thing and the company previously told CNN news that uh, CNA sorry CNA that, um, that they knew nothing of his crimes I don't think listen I think if people knew what this man was doing you know in a work environment or any other environment you would have reported him it was quite clear that this man was you know very good at what he did and very good at hiding what he did for very many years really because no one seemed who knew him to have any idea of what really truly low you know lay beneath this bloody mask you know, and I always talk about this mask of sanity because it's what we see, isn't it, as the public and people who knew him would have seen as his friends. It, it's this 
outgoing, friendly, intelligent man in a good job, traveling all over the country for work, you know, different parts of the world for work. But, you know, you take that mask off, right? And that underneath is evil. Only them children, right, would have only have ever seen what the true man that lies beneath that mask is. The victims would have only ever seen that. Normal people in the public that he had no interest in, he was playing an act, wasn't he? Living a lie. Would have never have seen him remove that mask and what truly lies beneath, or else he would have been arrested years ago. So again, another manipulator, someone that fits in with society, someone that controls the narrative about him. But underneath that, there is a terrible, terrible monster inside this man and it came out and showed itself to them children. That's the only way I can really describe this man as a bloody monster. <clears throat> now, as I said about this Boris, when he was in the Philippines, now the Philippines, you know, he, he went to certain countries and the uh, justice um, champion has said this already, he went to certain countries and he abused in certain countries because he felt that it was easy for him to abuse his children in this country. Right, so Philippines and Indonesia, they were the easiest ones and we have many, many paedophiles and we've done many cases on paedophiles that go to these countries, pretend to be something they're not and they go there, you know, specifically to abuse these children, use the images to make money, whether it's for themselves or for others and share what they've um, experienced uh, with these children on the dark web, right, because in that dark web, they're probably, you know, well-liked, well-known, sending great images for these other perverts, these other paedophiles to download and watch. But, you know, it's just shocking. And the thing is now, I think with the Philippines and Indonesia and all these other countries, are clocking on, right? They are working very closely now with different agencies from all over the world to really combat what's really going on in these countries and to stop this and as I've said before we have laws in this country as Australia have laws in their country that if you commit a crime abroad you will be charged for that crime once you hit that soil right now he wasn't in Indonesia he was in Singapore but they had to wait for him to sing leave Singapore so that they could arrest him on that soil they actually then had to wait for his stuff that was being shipped back from Singapore to Australia before they could gain all the evidence they needed to charge this man and put this man away, really, hopefully, for the rest of his life. Now this Boris, he also abused a boy in Melbourne, this is who they know about, from 2004 to 2005, with German police, years later, finding 55 images of the abuse in a file labelled jailbait. Now this boy, didn't come forward right because you know many don't and I've said this before and he was found because of the images that were put out against him in a folder called jail bank so this man knew that he would go to prison or jail as he likes to call it right because of what he was doing to young children just by that label on that folder jail bank this man knew what he was doing was wrong. He knew it, and he knew he was gonna get caught, right, in the end. But this was 2004. This man actually wasn't caught until 2017. Can you imagine the damage this man had done, really, throughout this time?
shocking really so you know it's it's really bad when you really think about how many offenses this man has committed so he um, was never charged with any distributing of any um, child pornography as I said before they had him on so much other stuff but when he went and pled guilty to 59 offenses of including sexual intercourse with a child producing child uh, photography material why outside Australia so again we have these laws now that are you can produce and do all this stuff out of the country that you are you know um, born in or have residency under because he wasn't born in Australia he was actually born in Russia he did though emigrate at the age of 12 and he probably had Australian citizenship to come and go as freely as he done but that means then that under them laws of Australia when you are producing images like this which is an offence right to produce these sort of Im images and also to distribute these sort of images you will then be charged when you hit that soil uh, Australian soil again and that's exactly what they did with this man now Justice um, Champion he said he's just listen they have to watch these and see these images as would the jury as would other people and that the jury would have been discretionable um, and and that would have been down to um, whether they thought these images were uh, okay to show the jury they probably wouldn't have seen all of them um, they would have had more descriptions than actual visual um, you know because that would listen this is not going to lose leave your memory right if you see stuff like this so in most cases like this they wouldn't actually see the photography or the images um, on the video and stuff it would usually have been described to them because descriptions you can usually forget a little bit but I'm telling you the jury here would have had um, you know what an awful case to sit on really um, so yeah I think they would have been more likely to have uh, been read the descriptions of the things but the judge has said that they were so sordid and uh, deeply disturbing even to him right so in that statement no the jury I don't think would have seen any of them images at all because no court no defense no prosecution right no matter what side you're on in these trials want to give someone harm right and that's what it would have caused harm to the jurors to have seen such images so and and plus you know it's really it's an offense to show these sort of things but in a court of law yes the judge would have seen him other people would have seen him but I don't think the jury would have because they would never ever have forgot it right they would never have forgot it ever and none of these pictures or videos or anything should ever have been disputed distributed anyway anywhere so um, I think it would have just been descriptions um, he said him also that the child abuser was appalling um, uh, proportionate and he said that an Australian victim went on to develop anxiety attempted suicide he ended up in a thousand dollars of debt because of the subsequent drug habit uh, he lost his job and his marriage suffered and he ended up living with his parents. Now this was taken from the victim, um, the Australian victim, that was 2004-2005 victim. Now let's talk about this when we talk about the effects of um, what happens to these children. Um, this is quite normal to tell you the truth, right? Their mental health is not right. They don't understand it when they're young. It's um, 
you know, a lot of these kids suffer terribly with anxiety and depression after, and the suicide thoughts are there because of what's happened to him. He can't express it, he can't explain it himself. So he holds the guilt, even though he's done nothing wrong, usually the victims hold that guilt because they think they have done something wrong or they haven't told and stuff. So they hold guilt in, they have got nothing to feel guilty about, right? They are a victim. But when you're telling a child and that child's growing up with this fault inside them, that they know that something's happened to them that's just really bad and they haven't told, and even if they have told, have they been believed? You know, all this sort of thing. So the debt, clear, um, sometimes, uh, or most of the time actually, people with mental health, that has been caused from issues in childhood, like abuse of any sort of form, usually do get into debt, because it's one way of making themselves feel better, right? They can't usually hold down a job, they, they can't, they're trying, but the depression and the faults and the reoccurring faults come back. And that feeling of worthlessness that a lot of these victims have, which this is why if we can get victims early enough that you can give them assistance, you know, counselling and all this sort of stuff to help them come through their life and live a normal life where they haven't got these feelings of depression and guilt and suicidal faults. But it happens, it, it's um, probably one of the biggest things. They can get over the rape, they can get over the abuse in that way, but mentally, no, they can't. The brain heals, takes longer to heal than the body. So this judge said, you know, that, <laughs> you know, there's no sentence that he could pass, I suppose, that will undo this tremendous pain that has caused these victims. And he's right. You know, you know, but the thing is, I think with public, and I've said this before about public, uh, public opinion, why just 28 years before, you know, all right, there's a certain, you know, thresholds and tariffs and stuff that they can use, but are we still not being harsh enough on these paedophiles, on these sex offenders like this that have destroyed so many lives over, you know, a 15 year span? And for over, you know, 47, 50 odd children that we know of that this man has abused and damaged their life forever. What would be enough? Life, really. Never let this man out of jail. Because if you do, what can we, how can we protect ourselves from this man, even in 28 years? Age is not a barrier for a paedophile. It's not. They're not going to stop just because they reach 70 or 80. They just find other ways of doing it. The court documents showed that these children were between um, the ages of 10 and 17. Uh, most offences were in the Philippines and he also abused children in Singapore and Indonesia, but the majority were in the Philippines. And I think the 10 year old to the 17 year olds remember that he liked to the older children that he had abused, probably over a few years, and grooming them and doing all this sort of stuff that he was doing, then got the older children to abuse the younger ones, and that's what he was filming. His crimes date back, actually, to January 2001, and that's when he had sex with a child under the age of 16 in the Philippines. Between September 2002 and August 2003, he had sex with a victim in Singapore, taking 17 photographs of the boy, 
who was about 12 to 14 years old at the time. This happened in Boris's home. Police also found 28 photographs of another boy, these images dating back to November 2002, when he was living in Singapore and showed him committing sodomy on the boy and performing oral sex on him. The other victim in Singapore is not mentioned in the court documents. Among the multiple crimes that Boris has maintained a sexual relationship with the boys who were between 13 and 15 at the time in Melbourne between 2004, January the 1st, 2004 and October the 1st, 2005. Between June uh, the 11th, 2010 and June the 16th, 2011 and again between February the 20th, 2013 and June the 11th, 2013, Boris engaged in persistent sexual abuse of five children outside Australia. He also introduced his children to have sex with others in his presence. Between May 18, 2010 and April 28, 2015, Boris um, created more than 1,000 photographs and videos depicting children engaging in sexual activity with each other under his directions or pictures and films of him sexually abusing his children at the same time. At least on one occasion, he shows these pictures and videos to other children who he also abused and also distributed images on the internet. This is a prolific um, traveller and in his police interview explained that his travel was extensively through work and um, some of his offences as I've said occurred in Singapore over this period between 2001 and 2017. As I said, he also travelled extensively to the Philippines and Indonesia with most of, uh, of the offending occurrence in Philippines. Often his trips to Asian countries were brief and the travel dates coincided with the um, commencement of the offences. So the thing is what he did when he took the photographs and filmed, um, it's dated. And so they put the two dates together really and that's how they matched up. That As he was doing these even short trips, he was going there to abuse. So how he was arrested, okay? So his crimes went undetected until a victim was identified in 2016 by German police had found these 55 photos. Remember this, you know, jailbait sort of um, folder and the images of this Australian boy who was groomed and abused by Boris. Uh, an arrest warrant in Australia was issued but it could not be executed because he was in Singapore at that time. This is where now all the other laws start kicking in. On May, in May, sorry, 2017, charges were filed in Australia while he was overseas. Boris was arrested when he landed in Australia on the, September the 4th, 2017. Police officers found thousands of images and videotapes on a laptop, two hard drives showing him sexually abusing children. The laptops uh, and hard drives have been shipped from or shipped over by Australian authorities from his home in Singapore. Officers found this folder, this named, you know, jailbait folder that he kept, uh, and also within that folder were subfolders that he had. Um, these also were labelled with victims' names and stuff. He liked to remember uh, everything about them. Jailbait, it says, um, is an informal word for someone who is perceived by some to be sexually attractive but younger than the legal age for sexual consent, right? Now, the reason that he was allowed to stay in um, Singapore, because he was an Australian, but he did marry um, 
a foreigner, it says, don't know where from, but, um, and he married her in Singapore. So if it's an Australian talking about um, someone that just is not Australian, I think she was from Singapore. And um, really, I think he took about a year off at that point from offending. And um, then again, about a year to 20 months later, he started then abusing uh, boys again after that. You know, we have a lot of paedophiles like this man, as I've said before, that try to fit into society and being married and having your own children and stuff makes it fit more, doesn't it? Really, you know, acceptable. He was accepted, he's married, he's got a home there, he's got a good job, he's traveling. He's just a paedophile. And probably, yeah, I think Australia's right, he's probably one of the worst paedophiles they've ever had. Really, I think there's one close to what he was like, but I, I do, because I don't think we will ever know, ever know really, how many victims of there are of Boris. I don't, and I don't think he's ever going to say. He admitted to the evidence that they'd found on him, right? They he admitted only to what he had to admit. He didn't admit everything. He kept detailed notes, as we've heard before with many, many paedophiles that do this. They keep do detailed notes of times and dates and names and, and stuff. You know, some have had a diary. We've had some make, you know, the paedophile manual, haven't we, of how to get away with it, really. You know, these paedophiles, this was an intelligent man, but he weren't that bloody intelligent, was he? To keep folders and data with children's names that you've abused. You see, this is what gets me. These paedophiles think they're going to get away with it forever. They are not. You're going to get caught. If you are a paedophile doing this sort of stuff, you're going to get caught. And when you do, you're going to face justice. And I'm telling you now, for a paedophile to even get 28 years in a state prison in Australia, you'd be lucky to survive, right? Really, because you are the lowest of the low as the hierarchy in a prison goes. You know, this is such a serious crime here. You know, many, many prisoners across the world in many, many prisons cannot believe what they are reading and hearing about these cases. They can't believe it. Some are in there for life. Some of them are in there for other things. They've got nothing to lose, right? But a lot of them, or the majority of them, are not in there for crimes against children. And no matter what you think about many criminals that are in prisons at the moment, most of them still have morals when it comes to children. They really do. So, I mean, if there's anything we can say about this case, it's that these paedophiles like this should be worried because you will be caught. Because these agencies out there, this task force are searching out there for people like them, aren't they? And sooner or later, they will be brought to justice. And they can sit there and cry, and they can sit there and say they've got a paedophilic disorder, I can't help myself, it's not my fault, it's in me, I'm ill. It won't save them, you know. It will never save them. Our only fault here, in any of these cases we do, has to be about pushing for harder sentences for these sort of criminals.
really. You know, making these cases aware, highlighting these cases. Do I think 28 years cis man is enough? No, I don't. To tell you the truth, they should have thrown the book at him. What else can a person do to another human being, a child at that? What would it take to put someone away for more than 28 years? What, what does it take? Really, there's a lot of people in prison that's done less than him. You know, when we talk about financial crime or white collar crime, all this sort of stuff, that are doing longer time than that. Money laundering could get you longer time than that. You know, we have to get a little bit serious here and the, the public have to get a little bit, you know, angry at some of these cases as they come out. Yes, it's a good sentence, I suppose, but it's not great, is it? It's not great. But what it does do, I think, on the underground, you know, on the dark web, is make people worried. Because if this man was distributing out to other paedophiles, right, they will be caught as well because there's always a trail, isn't there? A digital trail, always, always. They can decode, they can do everything they want to do, but they're being broken all the time. New technology now is really tracking lots of things. In the end, I'm not saying we're going to stop it, I'm not, but we need to make sure that we get the worst paedophiles like this off our streets as soon as possible and show that we are determined to make sure that these people stay in prison for the rest of their life because they're no good to society. There's no, there's no good, what can they do? They're a harm and a danger to our children. All of them, all of them. This man will never change. You know, this is probably, when I read this case and there's other ones I've got coming up which are just as bad, but you know, when you look at this man, I think to myself, the images the amount of images, the, the amount of um, filming that this man done. Every one of them represents a child that is being sexually assaulted, in pain, you know, hurt, damaged the rest of their life. That's what when I read 35,000 photographs, 4,800 videos, it comes to my mind, is these poor children. So do I wish this man well in prison? No. I think, you know, take your chances in life, don't you? Well, good luck with going into Australian prison with that on your record. Let's see how that one goes. We could be doing a, a follow-up on him shortly, one of these days, I think. But anyway, you know what to do. Hit the like button, hit the um, uh, subscribe button, and thanks for watching. Till the next time. Bye-bye.